We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, a little sluggish, you know, to start the game. You know, I haven't played competitive basketball in seven months now, so but felt good to get my feet. I'm at my uh, legs back under me. Supporting Caster, um, did an unbelievable job tonight, and you know that's why we got the win. For us, the fourth quarter looked like a completely different story than what you just explained. You really took over there midway through. It was just a four-point game, but what was your mentality like there down the stretch? Uh, to win the game, you know, these fans here. You know, I've been waiting on a competitive team for a very long time now, and, you know, I think we have that. Um, so, you know, that's part of my job being, you know, one of the leaders of this team, and, you know, is to carry, it home, carry the team home to victory, and I feel like, you know, I did a pretty good job tonight. DeAndre Ayton had a really big night tonight. Going up against one of the top centers in the league in DeAndre Jordan, what did you see from Big Fella that you liked? I think it was a really good test for him. We talked at halftime. It was like, DeAndre Jordan's really physical, and I was like, you know, that's the league, and, you know, I'm sure DeAndre had a target on DeAndre being the number one pick, but, you know, he held his own. He played really well tonight. I mean, he, he's so talented that, you know, he's not going to have any problems this year. Thanks, Devin. Congrats again. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, James Naismith once said, what's a mob to a king, and what's a king to a Devin Booker? <laughs> First game is over, and it was phenomenal. Sam Cooper, how are you doing? I'm feeling great, Mike, and I'll put it like this. The last three opening nights for the Phoenix Suns, this team lost by 48 points, 19 points, and 16 points, respectively. How good does it feel to be on the other end of things for once? That was an absolute best-case scenario tonight against the Mavericks. 
it was really fun and it, it was great that it was on national TV. Now, I'm actually thinking now ESPN and TNT has to be kind of kicking themselves after watching Devin Booker really having a coming out performance with actual teammates around him thinking, why didn't we put this team on more national TV games? Because what Devin Booker just did in the fourth quarter, we have been watching for a while. It's just... It didn't always translate into wins. When you surround him with teammates that can actually complement his skill set, it turns into wins. This was an incredibly fun game to watch, and Devin Booker was, it's just, he's a star. He's a star, right? Uh, he's an absolute star, and they can always amend it a little bit later, Mike, and add some more games. You remember when Goran Dragic went ballistic back in the 2013 14 season? I remember we picked up a, a couple of extra national TV games back then, so you never know, it could happen. Um, but yeah, we're going to start talking pretty soon, I feel like, about how Devin Booker should be once again in the all-star conversation. And it's going to be so tough for him because of the Western Conference, because you've got the Westbrooks and the Currys and the Hardens and the Clays and the Damian Lillards. But if he keeps playing like tonight, he's going to make an incredibly compelling case because he was a superstar in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there was any doubt in that. And to actually drive that point home, Twitter tracks worldwide trends, so it, it takes a look at, look at what everyone's tweeting worldwide, and currently, right now, as we speak, which is about half an hour after the Phoenix Suns games just ended, the Phoenix Suns are trending worldwide, which may be the last time that happened. I don't know this for, for sure, but I'm guessing the last time that happened was when Devin Booker scored 70 points in a game. And this is just the Suns winning opening night against the Dallas Mavericks, who may or may not be very good. And, and, and to, to, to that point, the fact that they're trending worldwide now is because of Devin Booker. It has to be because of Devin Booker. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, look, all sorts of guys had a great game tonight. We're going to talk about it. Trevor Reza, what a debut. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 made threes. DeAndre Ayton had a great debut for his NBA career. But you're exactly right. It's all about Devin Booker. It's the Devin Booker show right now, and he just has the ability. I mean, in the fourth quarter, he, he just turned it on uh, and just tucked the Mavs into bed and said goodnight to them. I mean, I think he scored, like, what, 19 points in the fourth quarter? So like, he's a superstar. I think that's clear to basically every Phoenix Suns, fans now, uh, Phoenix Suns fan now. How soon will the rest of the NBA and the rest of the NBA fan bases catch on? That remains to be seen. Now, to that point... Devin Booker has to be the biggest star the Phoenix Suns have had since Steve Nash. Now, that seems to be an obvious point that that's made. But Steve Nash was consistently the... The Phoenix Suns, I should say, when Steve Nash was on the scene, was consistently the second favorite team of pretty much every NBA fan in the, in the entire NBA. And that people loved watching the Suns. They were so fun to watch. They had... Lots of charisma. They were up and down the floor. They had tons of offense. Obviously, if you're going to watch a second team, if you're going to choose a team other than your hometown team, it's going to be a team that has a ton of offense. So it makes sense that they wanted to watch the Phoenix Suns at that time. Uh, but with Devin Booker on the team, I don't think that Phoenix Suns fans are really prepared for how big of a star he can be. Uh, in this game, we saw Devin Booker actually take over the game in a game where they probably played a commercial for Devin Booker, a Nike commercial, maybe seven or eight times throughout the course of the night on national TV, on ESPN. Nike is really marketing Devin Booker right now. And as far as Suns fans are concerned, this is going to be a little different. It's been a long time since we've had a star. We've had some good players on our team. We've had 
uh, Goran Dragic. Of course, we had Steve Nash late in his career, but since that 2010 season, 2009-2010 season, this is the biggest star we've had, and it's going to be interesting to navigate this season if he continues to play like this, which there's no guarantee. He's he's destroyed the Mavs before, and this was an insane game statistically, so obviously we can't expect Devin Booker to keep this kind of production up throughout the season, but I don't think it's insane to think that he can have that type of James Harden season where he's really coming out scoring consistently, scoring efficiently, and also making passes. Uh, he's surrounded by shooters now. He's got a center who can actually dive into the paint and get the the roll pass. And it's just, just going to be a different type of season for Devin Booker. But there's a lot more to talk about. I mean, we, we can also talk about, first of all, Trevor Reza was absolutely amazing tonight. H- how did you feel about Trevor Reza and some of the role players on the team? Yeah, I felt fantastic about Trevor Reza. Uh, before I even get to him, who would have thought Josh Jackson and TJ Warren would combine six for eight shooting from three in the first game of the season? I mean, TJ was just pulling the trigger on threes. He looked extremely comfortable with his shot, and his form does look different, which is uh, you know something we got indication of in training camp. Now, I don't want to make too much out of a sample size of four three-pointers, uh, but both of those guys look really good. And you can see the advantage of having a true superstar like Devin Booker in the fourth quarter is that when the double team started to come off the pick and roll for Dallas, he had guys to throw the ball to in the corner. Josh Jackson made two straight threes in the midst of that run for Phoenix, uh, which again was a little surprising. But when he's wide open, he can take them. And overall, Josh had a great game shooting seven of 11 from the field, 18 points, two rebounds, three assists. So, uh, yeah, first of all, I want to give a shout out to those guys. When you talk about Ariza, we got to talk about playmaking. Already in Igor's offense, you can see so much potential for playmaking, not even at the point guard position, which is obviously the weakest position for Phoenix right now. And you can see it with seven assists for Ariza, six assists and zero turnovers for DeAndre Ayton, seven assists for Isaiah Cannon, and then another seven assists for Devin Booker. Uh, The wings, all of them, whether it be TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, Trevor Ariza, are going to get a lot of opportunities to uh, be in the playmaker role, sort of swing the ball from side to side early on in the shot clock. Uh, And we saw Trevor Ariza do a great job of that tonight. Did you have any idea that Trevor Ariza was capable of running a pick and roll? I don't remember him doing this at all in Houston. And and mind you, he had two of the greatest pick and roll players in the NBA in Houston with James Harden and Chris Paul. But I had no idea this was something that was part of his game. I don't know that he's ever done that throughout his career. And maybe I'm just missing it. I, I feel like I've watched a lot of Trevor Ariza in my life. But he, he, he handles a couple of things on the way he's played so far. One, off the rebound, they're 100% totally willing to give him the ball on the fast break to run the ball down the court in a way that they would normally, of course, rely on a point guard. Without a point guard, you have to rely on the players that you have on the roster. So they're relying on Trevor Reza, similar to, of course, the the obvious comparison is Draymond Green. Draymond Green is a, a large forward who handles the ball on the fast break. Obviously, I'm not saying he's anywhere close to Draymond Green. Draymond Green's an amazing player. He might be a better shooter than him, but he's capable of handling the ball on that fast break. And once he gets down there, he can dish it off to a guard to initiate the offense. But in this game, a lot of what Trevor Reza did was immediately roll into the pick and roll in the offense, which is not something that I expected at all. Did, did you notice this in, in, in the preseason, or was this a surprise to you the same way it was to me? No, it was a surprise to me as well. And I think especially if you consider that Houston offense, um, we talk about spacing, but just because these two teams both have a, a decent amount of spacing, the Houston offense really operated in a much different way than it looks like Igor Kokoshkov's offense is going to operate. Houston had Chris Paul and James Harden. So all of the role players, whether it be Bob Mute, Ariza, Tucker, 
could really all play a simplified role where they were kind of just standing in the corner, not really being playmakers whatsoever. Phoenix, while we do have more spacing this year with guys like Ariza and you could say Mikhail Bridges, although he didn't play tonight, with those guys on the roster, um, we don't have quite the level of spacing that Houston does where you can just run an isolation-heavy offense for Devin Booker and expect guys to sag off uh, and really just put Trevor Ariza in the corner. It makes more sense to put him in this kind of uh, playmaking role that Igor is doing so far where we he can really initiate the pick and roll and um, again it worked tonight seven assists no turnovers and a plus 25 it's something to think about moving forward is Trevor Ariza going to be a playmaker this <laughs> I can't believe I'm even having this conversation now we've been talking about Trevor Ariza since before free agency even happened we were one of the few media outlets if you can call us that, to even talk about Trevor Reza as a possibility of being on the Suns before he was even on the Suns. But even, I don't think we even anticipated any sort of playmaking ability from him. Now, of course, it has to come from everywhere um, because we have no point guard. You know, that's just what matters. But let's get back to the the real headline of course it's Devin Booker it's Devin Booker and we've been talking about for a long time along with every Suns fan and every Suns media outlet this team is going to look a lot different with Devin Booker on the floor but boy was that correct watching this game there was that play I love to talk about the the pick and both if you will they ran it for uh, Devin Booker in the second quarter and it looks completely different when they're running it with Devin Booker Devin Booker was off ball on that play which I really enjoyed I forget which point guard it was I don't know if you remember which one it was but seeing a down screen by DeAndre Ayton for Devin Booker popping out to the three there's no it's pick your poison in that scenario it's either Devin Booker wide open at the three-point line or you switch put a big man at Devin Booker which is a, a bad situation and put a small guy on DeAndre in which in I don't know if this is correct but just thinking about the game so far every time there was a switch and there was a small guy on DeAndre and I would guess he scored every time it seems like there was no scenario where he couldn't take advantage of that switch. How did you feel about DeAndre Ayton? Let's get to DeAndre Ayton. He looked amazing tonight in in uh, maybe lower uh, production than, than maybe you would have expected. I mean, let's look at the stat line. 18 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, no turnovers. Uh, a Jokic-esque performance from the big man, if you will. Um, it's yeah. exactly what you were talking about. He did a fantastic job, and there were a bunch of plays where they were really trusting him, having him catch the ball deep inside, and then guys would sag onto him. Uh, he he still went right up with it because his offense was great tonight, so he, he was making the shot regardless, but he could have potentially had an option where he could have kicked it back out for a pass. And I was watching, and I was just thinking to myself, I can't even imagine Alex Len ever operating this way offensively. He just doesn't have the same sort of offensive repertoire. I mean, Aiton just looked so smooth down there. And uh, it, it really does become a, a sort of pick your poison, as you were just saying, when you have Booker and Aiton on the floor at the same time. Absolutely. And also, does Devin Booker hate Wesley Matthews? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what did Wesley Matthews say to Devin Booker to make him hate him this much? Because he absolutely destroyed him. There, were, there was the one step back three on the left wing where Wesley Matthews was all over Devin Booker, and we've seen yeah. this before. With I was going to say, so it's no surprise. But it's it's honestly reminiscent of that Philly game last year, right? I mean, I know he scored forty six in that game. He didn't get to forty six tonight, but just the way he dogged them in the fourth quarter, three after three, and you were just thinking to yourself, this one can't go in two, right? I mean, it was just heat check after heat check, but he kept reining him in. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up that Philly game because something I was thinking about with Devin Booker is some of his most, inc- actually the two most incredible games that Devin Booker has had were, of course, the 70-point game and then that Philadelphia game. I don't think there's any denying that, right? No. 
No. Thing is about both of those games, they were away. They were not home games. And I've been sort of waiting for that moment where Devin Booker has had his just incredible home game. He did have the the shot against the Bucks last year, the turnaround shot, but they lost that game. So in a lot of ways, that's not really the type of moment you want to remember Devin Booker for. But after last season, losing by 48 points in the opening game, coming into this game, and not only coming off of surgery less than six weeks ago, and we had no idea if he was going to play. And not only did he play, but to absolutely take over in the fourth quarter, this is something that Suns fans have been begging for. And in that interview in that we played at the beginning of this episode, Devin Booker said these fans have been waiting for a competitive team for a long time. And not only to get to see a team that could potentially be competitive. Now, we know this is an overreaction. This is game one. Who knows what's going to happen after this? But the fact that... Not only did we win in this game after the disastrous start from last season, but the fact that it was Devin Booker taking over in the fourth quarter, that means something to Suns fans. And it's really nice to see him do that here at home rather than away like has happened multiple times in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely agree on on my end. Now, there's a couple things I want to talk about too. So first, lineups. Uh, uh, Mikhail Bridges really he played a little bit he played a little bit (laughs) I mean come on (laughs) no I know exactly he didn't play he played but he didn't play (laughs) that's that's a good way of putting it so he played officially on the box score it looks like it's actually listing him at no minutes so (laughs) maybe 30 seconds I I don't know exactly what it was but it, it doesn't look like it actually ended up getting over a minute so no Mikhail Bridges no Rashawn Holmes uh in in this game so and and who else didn't play? Oh, no, De'Anthony Melton. Dragon so De'Anthony Melton's... And, and no Dragon Bender. That's another good point. So a couple things on that. Do you think that this is what we're going to go with? This is mainly like an eight-man rotation that you can really look at it. It, it. I mean, there were other players that played. There were more than eight players that played, but it seemed like officially about an eight-man rotation. Do you think that this is the type of rotation that Igor Kokoshkov is going to go with uh, going forward or do you think that this was specific to playing the Mavs do you think it was like just taking advantage of the type of matchups that we had against the Mavericks uh well two things I think it's more of a nine-man rotation Elliot Kobo only got eight minutes tonight um and Isaiah Cannon got 34 but I think as we progress further along in the season you're going to see a Kobo's minutes go up you're going to see Cannon's minutes go down um and then you've got Jackson Warren and Chandler also coming off the bench so that really sort of forms a more solidified nine-man rotation um, but the other thing I was going to say is about Mikhail Bridges. It, it's sort of tough to have this conversation after such a positive win uh, because it almost puts a little bit of a damper on things, but it's going to keep coming up. Eventually, you have to make a decision regarding Mikhail Bridges. You can't take the 10th overall pick and shelve him on the bench, giving him, you know, does not play coach's decision. Uh, coach's decision excuse me. You can't do that the entire year. So either an injury is going to happen eventually that frees up minutes for him, or you have to start playing him at least in short spurts and, and get him comfortable. Uh, or you have to make a trade. Uh, and whether that be Josh Jackson or TJ Warren or Trevor Reza or someone else, I don't know. Um, but you can't take a late lottery pick and just have them you know, not really suit up their entire rookie year. It's going to be a conversation that keeps coming up if we don't see Mikhail Bridges suit up for the Suns. Because we know he has the skill set where he has the potential to help this team. Not only potentially short term because he is one of the more ready Uh, players coming out of college but long term as well yeah absolutely I think it doesn't surprise me and I I don't think it's a big deal going forward first of all uh, you kind of luck out with Josh 
Jackson and and, and uh, T.J. Warren making the threes like they are. And maybe if they weren't, maybe we'd see a little bit different of a lineup. Who who knows? Maybe he was just sort of playing it by ear. And it's really a fun part about the season, and, and I'm happy we don't have to deal with this as often as we have in the past as far as learning a new, new coach's tendencies. Uh, but we get to learn what Igor Kokoshkov's tendencies are going forward. Um, one, I thought he was fantastic tonight. First of all, I know you tweeted a stat about assists. Do you ha- happen to have that stat in front of you by any Yeah, so I tweeted out. So if you're listening, you know, maybe you've already seen this, but the Suns had 35 assists tonight. Uh, they haven't had 35 assists in a game since April of 2011. It was an overtime win against Minnesota back when, obviously, the team had Steve Nash. So it's been seven years since the Suns have had this many assists in a game. Uh, and two things are impressive about that. First of all, they got 35 assists and only 11 turnovers, which is a fantastic assist-to-turnover ratio. It's an assist-to-turnover ratio of over three, which is basically unheard of for teams. Uh, and second... That's 35 assists with Isaiah Cannon as your starting point guard, which is even more impressive if you ask me, because we know Isaiah Cannon, I thought, tried his hardest tonight. Eight points, six rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover, um, made a couple of threes. Uh, But that point guard position is still a problem, and we very much recognize that it's a problem. So for the Suns to go out and get seven assists out of Trevor Rees and seven assists out of Devin Booker and even six assists out of DeAndre Ayton, I thought that was really impressive. And, you know, to that point, too, uh, the Suns shot 54%, 54.3% from the field tonight, and they shot 55.9% from three. So this is obviously not a sustainable percentage from the three-point no. line. And and I, I although, although I hate this saying, it's true. It's a make-or-miss league. Like The games change and, and are decided based on how many shots you make generally from the three-point line. So a lot of those assists came from... Like, you know, uh, T.J. Warren started three for three from three, and Josh Jackson hit two three-pointers in a row. I found myself in the middle of this game trying to figure out if you can uh, (laughs) look up stats to see how often a player has made two three-pointers in a row because I was curious how many times in Josh Jackson's career has that even happened because it doesn't seem like a lot. But uh, he, he looks really good tonight, and, and you know the team was really impressive in general. Uh, not a lot of turnover, turnovers, a lot of assists, and and you know a lot of team play. The, the assist and uh, the turnovers—that's that's just coach's stat in a weird way. Obviously, it's based on how the players play. But when you have a new coach, you kind of look at those types of things to see how a coach coaches. And so far, so good. Um, the next game coming up is against Denver on Saturday. Now, you talked about a Nikola Jokic-esque stat line from DeAndre Ayton. Well, we get to see him up against Nikola Jokic. So, DeAndre Ayton played against DeAndre Jordan in this game. And in the interview we played at the beginning of this podcast, Devin Booker made a point of saying that DeAndre Ayton pointed out to him at halftime that DeAndre Jordan was incredibly physical. Uh, Well, I don't think that he's going to have to worry about that a lot from (laughs) Nikola Jokic. How do you feel about that uh, Denver game coming up? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, It's a different type of elite center that he's playing. Certainly Jokic isn't uh, the most physical beast. I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be able to get his points uh, in the next game. But Nikola Jokic is a fantastic playmaker. I mean, he could could pretty easily, you know, potentially put up 20 points on DeAndre Ayton, who... Uh, I think looks strong defensively tonight, but you know also occasionally had some defensive lapses. I remember a couple of alley oops to, I think it was Dwight Powell uh, at certain points in the second half, maybe one or two to DeAndre Jordan as well, where Aiden sort of did get lost defensively. So it's not out of the question. I think Jokic is really going to make DeAndre Aiden work on defense, 
Um, but on offense, Jokic isn't a guy that I think he'll really have to worry about. Now, before we go, we haven't even talked about him yet, but uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> what did you think of Luka Doncic tonight? Yeah, he was. Look, Luka Doncic had a really good game. I, I don't feel any animosity towards Luka Doncic like some Suns fans. Um, he had a really good first half, and he just got gassed uh, in the second half. That's really all it was. Uh, if you take just his first half stats, Luka Doncic looked like he came out to play. I was running the pick and roll effectively, looked like a good shooter. Didn't make any threes tonight. Uh, and actually, now that I look at the box score, missed both of his free throw attempts as well. But the potential is certainly there. You can see why people view him as a, a top prospect. It's it's really not something that's in question to me. Uh, he just wasn't able to close the game out very effectively whatsoever. Yeah, he, I, I was really impressed. It's just he looks fantastic. The way he moves on the court is crazy. And his vision as a playmaker, it's going to be really fun to watch. That A lot of what you can do in the NBA, you can teach a lot. You can teach footwork. You can teach positioning. You can, you can teach players how to sort of move on the court. But vision and playmaking, it's really difficult to teach. And Aiton, or I'm sorry, Doncic has that. He absolutely has that. Now, whether or not Wesley Matthews can make those shots, that's a different story. I don't know. Wesley Matthews looks pretty bad bad to me and it, and it seemed like based on the reaction i was seeing from mavericks fans on uh twitter and reddit they're not very happy with wesley matthews i mean admittedly devin booker was destroying him and he was missing a lot of open shots so i understand the frustration but you don't have to play devin booker every night and, and you know there's a few great other shooting guards in the nba but not a lot like devin booker so i don't know that they have a lot to worry about okay sam to wrap up we're probably saying uh devin booker's a star DeAndre Ayton had a solid debut, and it looks like a star. And then the other thing is, I know, overreaction, <laughs> but the Suns, could they be could they be better than we expected? Oh, could, is that God, possible? I don't want to get too wrapped up in saying things on night one of the season, but um, they surpassed my, they surpassed my <laughs> expectations for game one. Everything clicked tonight. Are you saying are you saying that we can't expect twenty one points, seven assists, and Trevor eight rebounds Reza. out of Trevor yeah, Ariza every night? I'm not Is that what you're the saying? To shoot fifty six percent from three for the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> look, it it was a best case scenario game for the Suns on night one. Suns fans should be happy right now. Really, everyone played to the fullest of their potential. Absolutely. Here's the funny thing too: we didn't even talk about it. Ryan Anderson in twenty four minutes shot one for four from the field, only had two points. And I still felt significantly more confident with him out there than I would have been if Dragon Bender had stepped on the court at all tonight, uh, which I think is pretty funny. So, <laughs> yeah, overall, it was a great game. Actually, that's a really good point. We should say that. So, Dragon Bender's out of the lineup entirely, too. I, that's that's kind of crazy. And also, uh, the Suns picked up the option on Josh Jackson. They had the option to pick up uh, Dragon Bender's option at the same time. Generally, from what I've seen, I think it was Keith Pompey tweeted, generally teams will pick up the option on, on players that they can pick up the option for at the same time. So they won't hesitate on one if they're picking up one. They, they, they tend to do every player that's available to an option. They didn't. So it seems like not only did Dragon Bender not make it on the court tonight, it's possible he's not going to make it on the team in the future. No chance. And after tonight, there's no chance he why. could make it. He could make it on the team in the future. It's just the Suns are not going to voluntarily pay him five point nine million dollars per year. They're going to let him test the open market, see what he's worth, which may not be more than a few million. So you know, maybe they're open to keeping him for a fourth year, but it's not going to be for six million a year. Not at the rate of production that he's giving right now. So from what I've seen, though, that makes. TJ Warren, the backup yes. power forward. So it seemed like the, the, the first person to come on, onto the court off the bench was 
uh, T.J. Warren. And there was a significant period of time where it was, I believe it was Elliot Kobo. It could have been Isaiah Kanan. Also, Isaiah Kanan, right? It's not Isaiah Cannon anymore, according to the announcers tonight. <laughs> we have to make sure to pronounce his name correctly from now on. Uh, but there was a significant period of time where there was point guard, no uh, unnamed point guard, Devin Booker, uh, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, uh, DeAndre Ayton on, on the floor all at once. So it was a, a forward combination of Josh uh, Jackson and TJ Warren. So I guess TJ Warren's the backup power forward from now on, and interchangeable. At a certain point, I felt like just put him in at shooting guard now that he's making Yeah, no, threes. that's true. It's just the reality of his existence now. I don't know how TJ feels about it, but again, too many wings on this roster to really uh, be able to give all of these guys the small forward minutes that they deserve if they're all considered natural small forwards. TJ's going to play a lot of power forward this year, and it's just that's just going to be the way it is. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the development on this team going forward, and I'm happy that the the, the overall rotations can be kind of short. In fact, watching this game, it's hard to even picture Jamal Crawford and where he sort of fits in. I think Troy Daniels played maybe a minute or two at the most, and, and if, you're, if you're thinking about replacing Troy Daniels with Jamal Crawford... There's not a lot of time left on the court for him. I did see him doing a lot of coaching on the sidelines. It's going to be interesting looking forward. We're really excited to see that Denver game. We'll record an episode early next week, probably have one online on Monday, and, and we'll see where we go from there. Anything else you got to say, Sam? Nope. Uh, this Denver game is going to be a challenge, is all I would say. The Suns have lost six of their last seven games against Denver over the past two seasons, and Denver statistically has the best home court advantage in the NBA. That's been proven throughout the years because of the high altitude. So let's see how the Suns uh, come prepared for that challenge. We're undefeated. <laughs> We're undefeated, Sam. Yeah, let's see if it lasts. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Man, laugh now, but one day I'll play in the NBA. Be drafted first. Oh, first. Okay, 13. But then I'll go on to drop 70 for the Suns. This boy crazy. Crazy. I'll take them to their first title. Oh, making this a world sensation. The first black president's been wanted. Oh, yeah, now. heck, you want it. Devin, <laughs> you'll need to hit at least 80 for me to want that haircut. Keep drinking. Crazy. I'll take them to their first title. Hey. Tim Tompkins here from the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. So you just got done listening to the Timeline Podcast. Mike and Sam do a great job. I listen to every single episode. And if you're like me, you want even more Sun's content. So since you've wrapped up this episode of the Timeline, head on over and subscribe to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. Chances are we have a new episode that you will enjoy. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast, available on iTunes, Google Play, and basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.